Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. We have exciting news. We do. There's not just that we have a question. New limits. There's new limits. For the amount we can put in various accounts for 2022. This is your favorite time of year. Woohoo, it's like Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, we find ways to help save taxes for clients. It's great. Yeah. Um, yes. So as we're talking about, contribution limits have increased for 2022. And on today's episode, it ties into the listener question that we're going to go over. So we're going to start by understanding what are those contra- contribution limits increasing to, because it's then going to apply to some of the question, or at least part of the question that we'll be answering afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you run us down this? This is exciting news. So exciting. And so, we want to go over the numbers. We often talk on the show about things that you can do to help reduce your taxable income if that's something that you want to do. So that would be putting money into qualified accounts. Qualified accounts are accounts that have some type of special tax treatment, right? And so every year, the IRS, one of the things they do that we love to see is they come out with the new amounts for contributions to various types of plans. Yeah. Uh, the plan that most of us are going to contribute to across the, the US is going to be a 401k or a 403b. Maybe you have a 457 if you uh, work for a nonprofit as well. And the amount you could contribute this year, the maximum was $19,500. Next year, that amount's going to increase by $1,000. All right. So it's going to be at $20,500 in 2022. Big money. Big money. Um, there's also this thing we call a catch-up limit, which co- catch-up contribution, which we've talked about in the past. Um, that was $6,500 and it will remain $6,500 in 2022. So um, those are the new amounts for 401ks, 403bs, and 457s. Cool. Yeah. Do you want me to take over from here? Do it. We'll do like popcorn reading through the new limit increases. Popcorn reading. Okay, popcorn James. Uh, simple IRAs have gone from 13500 as the limit up to 14000 so $500 increase there. The catch-up contribution for 15 older remains the same at 3000 Highly compensated employees. So if your 401k isn't what's called a safe harbor plan where they have uh, a safe harbor matching contribution, there's compliance testing to make sure that the plan's not called top heavy. We won't get into that, but the, the highly compensated employee definition is going from someone who makes 130,000 per year up to 135,000 per year. There's other ways of determining highly compensated employee too, like ownership and stuff, but we'll leave that there. Yeah. And not get too derailed. Ooh, that was like so, in, we got so into the weeds so fast. I know. Obviously. I know. I'm going to have to popcorn uh, Scott to finish this. <laughs> ah! Okay. So uh, for defined contribution plans, that's your 401k, your 450, 403b, those, those types of plans. There's a maximum amount you're allowed to put in as an employee, basically based on your social anywhere for all these plans. And that number last year, for the, pardon me, for this year, 2021 is 58,000. 
Next year, that increases by $3,000 to $61,000. Yeah. And th- that one's confusing because people are like, I thought you just said the limit was $19,500. Yeah. That is confusing, well, isn't it? So, so the, look, should we, the, the fill in there is so there's, there's the money you can put away that's pre tax, like that $19,500 and the $6,500 catch up. And then there, you can put even more money in of after tax money. So sometimes people will do, we did an episode on mega backdoor Roths, for instance. There's this number that's a maximum you're allowed to put into a plan in any given year. And that's what this number is. Employer contributions, all that stuff. So it's kind of like capping out how much you go in. So that's where it can be confusing. But the max contribution when you add up all the numbers is 58,000 this year and increasing to 61. The maximum employee deferral is the 19,500, which is increasing by one to 20,500. Right. Okay. And so now... Just to, to carry forward there a little bit more, if you're not an employee of of some com- of someone's company, but you're in a, you yourself employ yourself, uh, you get mm-hmm. to use either a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. I think it was one of the first episodes we ever did. Yeah, and the maximum there also went up. So now the maximum you can put away is no longer fifty eight thousand dollars. It's going to be sixty one thousand dollars. That mm-hmm. same three thousand dollar catch up. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to hear the contribution increase for traditional and Roth IRAs. Oh, I bet you're going to tell us right now. There's none. Oh. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the sad part of the episode. So no no increase for traditional Roth contribution limits. That's staying the same at six thousand dollars, and the catch up contributions the same at one thousand. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different numbers here. We're going to skip over because there's limits on how much can you contribute to an IRA if you also have a 401k versus what if your spouse has a 401k and there's just all these different weird kind of if this then that things that we're Mm going to stay away from just to keep this episode flowing but the healthcare FSA is a plan we care about yeah what are the limits on that going to you get an extra hundred dollars you can now that members of Healthcare FSAs that remember if, if you don't use it, you lose it, but maybe we let five hundred dollars roll over to the next year. Yep. That's that plan. Um goes up to twenty eight fifty for okay. twenty twenty two. Cool. Yeah. Uh, HSAs go from thirty six hundred to thirty six fifty. Watch out. So an increase of fifty bucks. That's the single, the limit if you're single, the family limit goes from seventy two hundred to seventy three hundred. Keep in mind these contributions are including the employer contribution. So not just what you put in, but the total contribution yeah. for twenty twenty two won't exceed seventy three hundred. And if you're over age fifty five, you still get that one thousand dollar cash up on HSAs, um, which you can do until you hit Medicare age, mm-hmm. and then you can't contribute anymore. Then you're done. So watch out. If you're turning 65, you have to cut up to the month you contribute. You can do pro rata that year. So be careful. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, that's enough of that. Those are the changes. Hey, you guys can potentially save defer more um, to reduce tax bills next year. So that is good news. Um, there may be changes coming out of the out of Congress to potentially change our tax laws. If that happens, we'll of course do a, an episode on that. Um, but for now, we know this is real. So we'll, we'll run with this. Yeah. And we said this was going to tie into a question. Should we, should we do the question? Let's do it. All right. Um, so this is from uh, a listener and the listener starts out with, I am a huge fan of your podcast and it has brought me a lot of great clarity on issues that had previously confused me. I'm a small business owner and I've begun a 401k. I have a Roth IRA, 529 for my child, and my own investment portfolio. 
I'm still confused on how I should vary my assets based on different funds, such as my Roth versus traditional versus normal investments in order to maximize the benefits of each separate account. I was hoping you could do an episode solely on how taxes work for the differences between them. Yeah. Great we're, question. We're doing it. Now, I think I'm going to, we're kind of, we talked about this before. We're kind of reading through the lines here. So if this listener, if we don't fully answer your question today, come back to us on that. But what I think you're getting at is how do, where do, what do I put in these accounts to help me optimize my taxes? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's what, what we're asking. Yeah, and the difference between like money going into a traditional versus money into a Roth, tax benefits now versus the future. We'll, we'll cover a few different things, I think, because yeah. um, how taxes work could be an extremely long episode, but I think we want to kind of gear it towards, uh, specifically towards what he's asking. So mm-hmm. thank you for the question and, and thanks for the nice words on the podcast. So we, we certainly appreciate hearing that. Um, and congrats on the new business. He says, I'm a, I'm a new small business owner. So where do we want to start with this? He just began a 401k. He has the Roth. He's got a 529 standard investment portfolio. And there's some confusion around how should the allocation, how should the investment mix differ between different types of accounts like that? Why why would that matter in the first place? And how would this apply to him? Yeah. I mean, so the where I thought the thing I jumped to initially when I heard I'm a new small business owner. Before I started thinking about how should you, where should you tax save on these particular things, I immediately just jumped to like cash flow for you as a family and cash flow for you as a business owner. One, mm-hmm. and I thought we could talk about that, and then start to talk about asset allocation and look at asset allocation, and we could probably frame it from: is it all assets are allocated for financial freedom at the same time, or do we have different assets doing different things for mm-hmm. us? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to change our answer. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Like the the first things first, and we're, I'm assuming he's getting to this, but if not, before even doing the 401k or Roth IRA or whatever, that you know, cash flow is the lifeblood of any company. So yes. making sure that there's almost like an emergency fund for the business mm-hmm. to cover that working capital, which is just cash needed to continue operations, to keep the lights on, to pay payroll, to pay for technology subscriptions, you know, whatever it is. Before even funding that stuff, keep in mind that um, your 401k, a Roth IRA investment portfolio, those aren't your only investments. Like your business just became a pretty significant part of your portfolio. Absolutely. Let's make sure the business stays around. And so you yes. know, get that working capital there. Once that's in place, let's assume that's there. Um, we talk about asset location. So not just what's the types of investments that you're owning, but the importance of owning the right investments in the right accounts. And kind of cutting to the chase here, that becomes significantly more important, I would say, as your assets are much larger and typically as you're approaching retirement um, and starting to live off those. Yeah. I don't know how old this listener is or where he is in his investment life cycle, but asset location, I would say, is much less important at the beginning. And, And let me know if you have different thoughts, but like when you're just getting started, you could just as easily invest your IRA and your Roth IRA and your 401k in the same exact portfolio. It's not as much of an issue as like, you know, fast forward to age 65 and you have a brokerage account and a Roth and a traditional and you're doing Roth conversions and there's a withdrawal strategy and there's taxes involved with all that. Like that's where it becomes a little bit more important to also manage the asset location. 
Yeah, I I always come back to it depends. <laughs> we, yeah. we haven't said it for a while. But yeah, we haven't. That's interesting. Lot, right? We used to say that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, the first thing I think about is, oh, wow, new small business owner. I want to know more about that small business. What type of business is it? Is it a cyclical business? You know, is this a sales-driven business? Is it a sales-driven business that's cyclical? So well, that's a lot of words all at one time, right? Um, the reason I care is the asset allocation that you have for these assets your business should be factored into that, I think. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if even if you already have enough working capital and you already have an emergency fund in, in place for the family, an emergency plan for how you'll cut expenses if the business doesn't work as well so you can pay your employees to go do that work when they need to do it. Um, the next thing you want to look at is, is my, is my business um, cyclical or counter-cyclical? Like if if I'm in like the, the, maybe I'm in the, uh, a lawyer who helps process bankruptcies. Well, then a downturn in an economy means my, my business booms, right? Cause more people are filing for bankruptcy. So I don't need to worry about not having enough cash when the stock market's going down. Um, but if on the other hand, I'm like for us, we're investment advisors who are assets. Um, a lot of clients pay us through assets under. Um, management. So if as portfolios go down in value, we as firm owners are making less in that period of time. Well, so now we need to plan differently and we might choose to invest our own assets accordingly to make it so that make sure that we're safe and can take care of our families during those downturns. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Of course. So I think part of it's just looking at what, what does he need? One, but then from there to your point, yes, if we just look at the normal example of someone saving for retirement and they're not going to touch those retirement assets for a really long time, well, then if just the idea of putting the majority of it in equities can make a lot of sense. The tax savings that I think he's trying to get at, what you were pointing at, asset location, the idea there for people is that if you put m- your most tax-efficient assets in the taxable account, so that'd be things like the S&P 500 fund or maybe a foreign equities funds, things like that. And then you put your least tax efficient things in the tax deferred accounts or the retire, like the Roth accounts. That'd be like a real estate investment trust is probably a good example of that, right? That's something where it yep. pays ordinary income out to us. Um, if you can move the assets to where it's more efficient, that can help you overall. Yeah. But to your point on the front end, it's probably not as important. Yeah. It's like, is is this going to add value to your financial situation? Probably. But, it, you know, the, the amount of value this can add relative to the amount of value showing up the working capital in the business or even just putting money into a Roth IRA or 401k or some other basic things, like it's, it, it's just going to pale in comparison to the importance. If we were to do an order of operations of what to focus on first, Focus, like look at it, but not until you've looked at a whole bunch of other things that are going to drive a lot more impact in your portfolio. And keep in mind that your asset location, that can change and does change over the course of your investing life cycle. It's like, let's say you're a new small business owner and just getting started. Well, just maybe invest everything the same. Whatever your portfolio mix is for your Roth and your traditional IRA, just do the same. As you get closer to retirement, like you can make changes in those accounts. It doesn't cost you anything in taxes. So like you can go into retirement or make changes without uh, without having to worry about it too much along the way. But it's probably not something I would spend too much time worrying about at this stage of where he is. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, we don't have dollar amounts to put to it. So I kind of agree with what you're saying. I, I do agree with what you're saying, but I think the key is like, 
what type of business are you in? Cyclical or counter-cyclical? Do you have enough working capital? Do you have an emergency fund? And then once you have all those things, you may decide on the, the reason I'm going to this is like on the taxable investment account, you may decide that as you're building investments for everything, maybe you start maxing out all the 401ks and the Roth and the 529s, and you still have money to build up as a taxable investment. You may choose to just be safer with some of those assets and put them into bond funds just to have a backup to your backup for the business and for yourself. Yeah. So you can go invest more in the business and lean into it more. Yeah. So a lot of it just depends on what you really want to build for yourself mm-hmm. versus being some exact answer. Um, the other side of that that I would add is the, the idea of tax location for how efficient all of this is. The lower the rates of return become for um, assets, the less it matters, right? So we're in a period of time when the stock market's done really well for a long period of time. And every year it keeps doing great. We're going to enter a period of time eventually where it's not going to do as great for a while. And that's just normal. That's just the way markets work, right? Nothing can go up forever to the right without having some resistance along the way. So when that happens, the tax efficiency is actually not as impactful in the nearer term mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for asset location. Yeah, exactly. If you look at a bond that used to be paying 8% interest and now it's paying 2% interest, right? it's one-fourth the amount of interest that's being paid, which means the tax impact is one-fourth the amount, you know, all else being equal in a taxable account. So the, it's it's been lessened in recent years, the importance of asset location. Um, not that it's not important, but you have to kind of weigh where do we want to put our focus into our financial planning, and that might not be the place to put it. Today. Yeah, this is like a very refined question where we really want to make sure that everything's been sketched out appropriately, everything's been painted in appropriately, and then we'll go add. This is like, <laughs> this is like if you're painting a custom car. This is like the airbrush, <laughs> like the, yeah, or the pinstriping at the end, right? Like this is this is really refined here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, on the last piece here, saying I, I was also hoping you could do or talk about how taxes work and the differences between them. Um, like I said, that's, that's a very broad question. I think maybe taxes with regards to like those contribution limits we talked about and taxes for like if I make a 401k contribution or a Roth contribution versus contributing to my regular investment account, like how is that taxed? Is that what you got from this or did you get a different? No, I think that's good. But like simply put though, if we just want to look at like Roth IRA versus regular IRA, you know, if, if you put your six grand away this year in mm-hmm. an IRA account, and let's just say there's a 10% tax rate, you know, so you pay, you can, you can either do that two ways, right? You can put away your six grand and let's just say you let it go grow into the future. And in the future, it's worth 60 grand mm-hmm. and there's a 10% tax rate. So you do pre-tax, put six grand in, it grows 10 times, it's worth 60 grand. And now you have to pay 10% tax. Mm-hmm. So you would pay what on your 60? Uh, $6,000. 6,000. So you have 54,000 left, right? Right. Or the Roth IRA today, you could say, I want to put my, my six grand in today. Mm-hmm. Right? Pay 10,000, 10% taxes, mm-hmm. end up with $5,400 to actually put away to save. Right. Grows 10 times, What's goes to 54,000. It's the same amount, right? Now, the one little caveat for some people who are going to reach out, they're going to go, no, you can put six grand in Roth this year. That's true, but you just have to put more after tax money in to make that happen. Right. right. You would have needed, you sense. know, 6600 and change of pre-tax money. Right. So you could pay your 10% taxes and do that contribution. Right. So an apples to apples comparison would say, well what if you took that whole 6600 and put it in a traditional right. which obviously that is would over be the an limit. Apples to apples comparison. Yes. Correct. 
So if we, if we just look at it apples to apples, all you're looking at is which is better, paying taxes today or paying taxes in the future. You're paying a tax arbitrage game. Well, if you're putting away money in a 401k and in a Roth IRA, you're already doing great things for yourself. Right. You're building out assets so that when you get to retirement time, you'll have money in a taxable account, 401k account pre-tax, you'll have your Roth IRA money too. And that gives you space to make the best choices for yourself based on what the tax code is once you get there. Yeah. Which is great. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing, just in case this is what he's asking about is like, okay, we talked about contribution limits. How does that help? Well, for example, we talked about the 401k contribution going from 19,500 up to 20,500. If we assume just to use easy numbers that you make $100,000 this year, well, the tax impact of contributing 19,500 or or 20,500 next year to your 401k is instead of paying taxes on that full 100,000, this year, you'd only pay taxes on $80,500. Then that money grows completely tax deferred until you take it out in retirement, in which case, to your point, Scott, like that's where you're paying taxes. Whatever you're pulling out of your 401k is taxable, not the base. You could hypothetically have $50 million in your 401k. You're not paying taxes on that. You're paying taxes on what you pull out each year. So if you're only pulling out 20 grand, you're only paying taxes if you earned 20 grand. So the difference for this listener between a 401k, Roth, and investment portfolio is a 401k or any pre-tax account, 403b, traditional IRA, SEP IRA, is going to work exactly the same as what I just described. Tax deduction today, it grows tax deferred, and you pay taxes on the amount you take out in retirement. A Roth is kind of the opposite, as Scott explained. You pay taxes today. Now, one thing that confuses people is if I go and make a Roth contribution today, that act does not trigger more taxes that I owe. I just don't get to take a tax deduction on that money like I would if I made a traditional IRA contribution or traditional 401k. Sometimes people think, oh my gosh, do I owe money for making this contribution? No, you just don't get a deduction on it. Um, But then it grows completely tax-free forever. And then your investment portfolio or brokerage portfolio outside of retirement accounts, that's where the tax efficiency we talk about is important because you don't get a tax deduction for making the contribution. You don't get any tax benefits, really, but as it grows, you pay taxes on the growth. So if it's interest or if it's a dividend, you're paying taxes on that. If it's a capital gain, so an increase in value in your investment, you're not paying taxes as that gain is happening. You pay taxes once you realize that gain or once you sell the stock or the investment that you made. So not sure exactly what how taxes work means in this question, but just want to kind of give an overview. Yeah, I think we've answered it kind clear. of two ways now, right? Through asset yeah. location and through. And if we totally missed it, uh, send us another question. And exactly. We'll, we'll answer it differently on another one. Yeah. But, all right. Well, that's all I have. Do you have anything else you want to add? That's it. All right. Thank you for your question. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.